This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Indiana U.S. Senator Mike Braun. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop insurance, the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Senator Mike Braun next. Today's Open Mic segment is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry, which is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Providing individualized protection on more than 311 million acres of farmland, crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. With a little more than two years of representing Hoosiers in the U.S. Senate, Mike Braun has continued a spirit of bipartisanship on the Senate Ag Committee, partnering with Chairwoman Debbie Stabenow and shepherding the Growing Climate Solutions Act to acceptance by members. On the global scale, the Southern Indiana Conservative isn't sure the upper chamber overall will be as supportive of President Biden's lofty climate pledges offered to world leaders last week. I think what you're going to see mostly will be aspirational discussion, targets. It it always brings a complication in, regardless of what we do, uh, it it bends the curve so uh, little uh, until you get the other big emitters coming into line, and that would be, of course, China, who emits more, less per capita, but more absolutely. India is soon to be in that category. Uh, Russia, other places that, uh, you know, have not shown uh, kind of the determination other than vaguely saying what they're going to do. But the U.S. normally leads. Normally it would come from the pulpit to the president. And I think uh, in this case we do have the uh, bird in the hand, the real results of uh, the Growing Climate Solutions Act, and it's hardly ever uh, getting into a committee, uh, nearly bipartisan on both sides. And I think now it's 43 in total. Uh, almost evenly split. want to spend time talking about that particular proposal, but one more question. Back when cap and trade was on the agenda in Washington, it was feared that the U.S. would suffer, industry would suffer, if we lived up to some of those global commitments. Is that back in play now as Washington is is on this global agenda and on our climate uh, point of discussion? It is, and whether you call it cap and trade, uh, whatever you do, even if it's in the context of a carbon fee or price or regulations that put expenses into what we do, uh, and our trajectory and our purpose should be clear because our CO2 emissions, you know, are on the, in the right direction. Uh, we're the largest economy still, and we came from the, uh, dubious spot of being the largest CO2 emitter, uh, but the proof is in our pudding. Uh, It's not uh, when you look at who I'm most concerned with. When I see that they're going to start sacrificing industrial growth, economic growth, to actually live out their climate declarations, uh, when you're building a coal-fired plant weekly, I don't call that proof in the pudding. 
How did you come to work so closely with Chairwoman Stabenow on this issue of the Growing Climate Solutions Act? And and how has this been uh, an example of the Ag Committee's work in a bipartisan fashion? Of all the committees here, and I happen to be on it, agriculture is, in my mind, probably the least partisan. Farmers uh, have got uh, arguably the hardest enterprise, uh, highest amount of risk, uh, the lowest potential uh, return as a percentage of their revenues, uh, then throw the weather in, and then throw climate in the boot on top of your normal ebb and flow of weather. So they are great stewards of the land. Uh, they have been since the Great Depression days in terms of being conservationists. So I think they were ready in the groove, and if there's any occupation that can uh, anecdotally or at least in terms of feel uh, where climate may be at play, I think it would be farming. And talking to them, I'm still involved to the extent I have time to do it. Uh, tree farming, it's my therapy for my new job, I can tell you that. Uh, row crop farming is uh, I'm still involved because um, I live on a farm and have relationships with seven or eight farmers on uh, farm ground. And they tell me they're spending more time fixing ditches, uh, replacing culverts, uh, having to broaden, you know, uh, drainage ways, riparian buffers. And they'll do a lot of that naturally through conservation plans already in place. So this came together in a bipartisan way. I'm one of the more fiscally conservative senators out here. There aren't a ton of us to begin with, so that's not saying much. It's a pretty small group. Many don't pay much attention to that side of the ledger. How do you pay for things? Uh, Where I'm from, that's always been something that we've considered along with anything we want to do. all came together here because it was matching uh, pre-existing markets that want to offset their carbon footprint. Now with small landowners, uh, tree and egg, where that was mostly just a domain of big companies that had the critical mass to do it. Let's talk about the essence of the bill. Plainly, what's in it and what's rumored to be in it that's not? So, very simply, it'll be certifying landowners to get set up to uh, get their carbon footprint as it exists currently and get it certified through the USDA uh, the Farm Service Agencies, which is their portal that they go through for all the other ag programs, whether it's conservation or just um, like uh, insurance, which is about the only thing the USDA does with farmers, but a lot of conservation stuff, it makes it simple. So if they've got stewardship practices, either as a tree farmer or a row crop farmer, meaning cover crops, keeping their nutrients in the field, doing things that are going to will generate less CO2, there's a market for that. And this provides the certification and the access to it. There are some who believe that if Mr. Bonney is certified as the FPAC coordinator for the Department of Agriculture, that now we're on our way, that there's going to be a, a carbon bank and that the CCC funds are going to be used and that farmers are going to see a certain number of dollars uh, per acre for particular stewardship practices. Is that in this bill? That is not in this bill. Uh, this bill simply is not going to get involved with that. If it were in it, it would not have made it this far. How were you able to amend the proposal from its first writing 
to see so many senators now from the GOP side come in to uh, support this language? I'd say that's uh, maybe the blessing of salesmanship when you're a Main Street entrepreneur and having a good nose for a market that's going to grow in value. And uh, that's a metaphorical way of describing it, but that's basically what I had to do. <laughs> they had tried for two years to get the first Republican to cross the threshold. I don't calculate political risk like most do here. I term limited myself. I wouldn't do it more than two terms anyway. gives me a lot of freedom to speak my mind and stick to my principles. Senator Bozeman had some real concerns that an effort toward carbon might eat into dollars as a part of the farm bill as it stands. Uh, how do you see that path forward, and what are your thoughts of Ms. Stabenow's suggestion that she wants to find more money somewhere for conservation programs? So that is uh, where you need to know who your good partners are that's got the experience of navigating the process as well as valid concerns. So uh, he was ranking member. He would have been the chair of the committee, and uh, I engaged him early on to make sure that for him and other um, you know, farm state Republicans on the Ag Committee that their concerns were going to be fully vetted, and we did that. So how do you now, if you're one of the 11 different companies that are out there in, in private enterprise that has a relationship with farmers, that there's some sort of compensation going on, how do they view the action of the Senate? Is this competition or is this in complementary effort of what they're already doing? No, I think it definitely would be complementary. When anything is this early uh, in terms of uh getting the ball rolling. Uh, I think you have to be looking at inviting all competing ideas, approaches, and the more the merrier as long as you're kind of working towards the same uh, end goal. So what action can government take here? I know you mentioned the, the sign-up period. What action can government take to enhance the validity of sequestering an intangible product? Well, I think that uh, when you get into uh, just let's use uh, Bitcoin as an idea that's been out there uh, now for, what, several years, uh, that is uh, about as intangible as you can get. And it is now, just this week, I was on a call about does there need to be some regulation so that you give it that next step of legitimacy without, uh, you know, ruining uh, kind of uh, its genesis and what it was about in the first place. But I think that as long as government doesn't do what it often does, uh, adding unnecessary regulations, uh, being too much a part of the business equation, uh, you're okay. Uh, government's obviously got a place. And if they, I think if they do it right here on climate, starting out of the gate like this, uh, as opposed to some of the other stuff you've heard about, maybe along the lines of the Green New Deal, can't afford it, wouldn't make sense. I think you'd have that as purely a partisan endeavor. I think this is a good example of where you need government to help a little bit, maybe formalize it, and stay out of the way uh, mostly so that you can do what let farmers, tree and egg, uh, match themselves up with other private sector forces wanting to solve a problem. If farmers are going to be compensated, are they compensated for a commodity called carbon or for a service by, sequestr by sequestering that gas or other greenhouse gases? 
Um, well, I think there uh, you're going to find out that uh, that very discussion, is it a commodity? Same thing we were talking about uh, when we were talking about a digital currency the other day. Um, you're going to find if uh, technology does what I think it's going to do here, you're going to get products out of carbon that we sequester. And it's just a question of time. There are a lot of them that are in the uh, research stage. And uh, if you look at other recent technological breakthroughs, if you even look most recently at what's happened with vaccines, I think you could put a little bit of that element to gauge what might happen once we delve further into what can be done with CO2 and carbon. Are there areas where Washington could boost research funding that might help to facilitate a discussion of helping farmers have better or healthier soils, better crops, and at the same time reduce carbon or other greenhouse gases? I think that is already going on with uh, a lot of stuff that uh, you'll get through uh, research, uh, colleges, universities, government. In just the last 10 years, I look at my own farm, uh, the number of riparian um, buffers, uh, grass waterways, cover crops, uh, really surgical application of nutrients. Uh, when you're getting the grids down to uh, not uh, a quarter acre, you know, but even a, a fraction of that in terms of how you apply nutrients, that's all playing into... Uh, number one, what makes us uh, way lower emitter of CO2 through agriculture, that's about 10% of our footprint. Listen to this, across the world, that's 25%. So whatever we do here is going to be instructive for what the rest of the world can learn from it to boot. A very small percentage of farmers thus far have been compensated uh, for particular stewardship practices. But in the big picture, there are millions of acres that are seeing conservation tillage in warm form or another, cover crops, minimum till, strip till, no till. And farmers, to the best of my knowledge, didn't do this with the idea that someday they might get a check for stewardship. They did it because it improved their soil or it improved their bottom line and what was the best for their farm and the best for their productivity. Well, I think that's a good point. That tells you uh, how much a farmer is a natural steward anyway and i think you got to go back to what i said earlier a lot of what we're doing here is going to benefit the rest of the world most of the emissions uh, are not in the u.s uh you know we used to be a big emitter i think we're down to under 15 percent so a lot of the places that still have uh, agricultural practices that emit a lot more CO2 than ours, uh, they may need that carrot. They may need that financial incentive. And there's still a lot of places in the U.S. that can probably marginally enhance what they've already done largely naturally. Senator, are there those in Washington who would prefer to make these uh, programs and this effort uh, using more of the stick than the carrot? You know, that, in my mind, would be regulation. And I think if you do that, you're going to end up maybe forcing a solution, but you're going to be disrupting a lot of the economic benefit that comes from any endeavor. And I think the more you can have 
you know, basic regulation in place and uh, in lieu of any additional regulation, try to have things that are maybe uh, uh, a little more uh, uh, along the line of the carrot rather than the stick. It's going to have uh, more sustainability, and it's not going to further tax my new employer, the federal government, that sports a, uh, a far different balance sheet and that spends a whole lot more money than what it takes in each year already, uh, which would complicate the issue of how does it do more. So many people look to it, and it can never probably be in a worse shape to try to do not only what it's currently doing, let alone more. I'd like to ask you, if you wouldn't mind now, to pull out that congressional crystal ball. Uh, what's the process for this proposal becoming law now that it's cleared the Agriculture Committee? Uh, could amendments derail it, and, and when would you hope that it might see debate on the floor? Well, I think that it'll see, um, when you're up to 43 co-sponsors at committee, uh, uh, when it gets out of committee, that's good. Uh, generally, it would be 43 with maybe two or three on one side of the aisle and the balance on the other. Uh, this is unusual as well. So I think that it bodes well for this getting some attention uh, on the floor. And, you know, we may be talking uh, in months rather than what it normally takes here, and that's years and years. So moving to another area i'd be interested in your thoughts on the biden infrastructure proposal there are a lot of things in there that agriculture has been hoping for that rural america has been hoping for but the price tag is big and the fear of taxes or tax change is real so when it comes to the uh, infrastructure plan uh, that is what you call changing the definition of what we uh, all understand as infrastructure we did, uh, back in 2017 when I was a legislator, roads and bridges, and put the pay-for along with it. The pay-for never comes along with anything out here, and generally the definitions are stretched. Uh, only 10% of the current Biden package, given it the benefit of the doubt, would be roads and bridges. Uh, Republicans uh, tempted the other side of the aisle with doing a whole lot more than what they were asking for for roads and bridges and stretching it to things like rural broadband, maybe water and sewer uh, treatment plants, uh, but not all the way to senior housing and then intangible infrastructure, which is generally educational stuff. So uh, if it were focused, maybe repurposing a lot of the money that we still haven't spent from COVID relief, uh, this, to me, is very similar to the COVID relief package that just uh, went through without a Republican vote. Ten percent or less of that was directly COVID-related. It was a lot of other stuff, and I think that is where uh, you lose the bipartisanship. Do you expect the majority to try to move this through budget reconciliation? Um, on the infrastructure package, I think that they're going to try to keep giving it time, inviting uh, bipartisan ideas, but take your cue from what happened with the COVID relief package. Senator, one final question before we go to close. Is it right for the infrastructure package to show favor to electric vehicles and not also support uh, 
vehicles and others that run on renewable fuels like ethanol and biodiesel that come from your home state, Indiana? No, to me, that's picking winners and losers. And uh, just like we recently arrived at energy independence, I'm still a believer that you don't pull the rug out from anything in the present, especially when you are the one country, along with the EU, Japan, Australia, that's actually moving in the right direction. That doesn't mean, uh, you know, purposely take out of play certain businesses without transitioning them that direction. So, now, I think that when you are, the, first of all, they've not done their basic homework. I don't think there's any way the grid can handle it. Um, I was just uh, up visiting a, uh, a wind farm up in a, probably Benton County, somewhere up in that neck of the woods, and they can't put up the next round of uh, um, towers because they don't have the transmission capability. So there's a lot of the grid that could not handle uh you know, millions of vehicles being plugged into it. You don't hear that side of the story. And, of course, that would take a lot more money to get in a position to be able to handle it. It's the way politics generally works in broad, sweeping statements. Worry about the details and how you pay for it later. Senator Brown, we want to thank you for taking time out of an awfully busy schedule to spend with us on this edition of Open Mic. It is Open Mic, and, sir, today you have the last word. Well, uh, thanks for taking the time to discuss this issue. Uh, like the format, there's a lot more that we can, uh, you know, weigh in on down the road. Be happy to do it again. Today, I'm just going to count. This is in the little over two years I've been in the U.S. Senate uh, as a day I remember because I had my team put a ton of effort into it. It does uh, capture that uh, bipartisan way of doing things, and it is a front burner issue now. And for my party. Uh, conservatives, Republicans, we got to do better at coming up with real solutions rather than saying no or not wanting to be engaged. For the time I'm here, uh, you'll find me doing this kind of thing on a variety of issues, especially climate and health care. Our thanks to Indiana U.S. Senator Mike Braun, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by NCIS, the National Crop Insurance Services. Crop Insurance the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.